He is risen. Let's try that one more time. I mean, you should really be into it now. In the band, I mean, wow, if, you, if your heart's not been moved, you're, you, you need resurrection for sure. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. I want to share with you a few verses of Scripture that kind of puts it all together about what our Christian faith is all about. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. Hear now these words. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Let's pray. Father, on this all-important Easter Sunday... Help us to understand what is at the core of our faith, what is truly at the heart of who and what we are. Speak clearly to us. Lord, may our ears be open. May our minds receive and may our hearts receive what you have to say. We make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this past week, uh, Patty, my, Patty, who is my wife, and I, we went over to uh, Harrison Bay Park and we camped in our travel trailer. Uh, we had two of our grandchildren with us and we had just really a delightful time. Uh, but anyway, during our trip, in order to get our travel trailer from our home over to uh, Harrison Bay State Park, we had to hook it up. And uh, I, we have a rather sophisticated um, uh, uh, system, a uh, hitch system for our truck and trailer. And so, you know, we, we hooked up all of its components. But of that system, there are two parts that are absolutely critical. Matter of fact, if these two parts aren't in the right place, you ain't going to pull no trailer, all right? I mean, they are so very vitally important. And that part is what's called the ball, which is a, a little metal ball that you see there in the black, the trailer ball, which hitched to the, my hitch. And then you have the coupler on the trailer that fits over top of that ball. When in place correctly, when you start pulling your truck forward, the front of that ball will connect with the front of that coupler and the trailer will follow the truck. When you turn to the right, that coupler will pivot on that ball and if it's done correctly it's going to follow the truck the trailer will follow the truck if you turn to the left it's going to turn to the left and if you come to a stop then the back of that coupler will hit the back of that ball and your trailer will stop as your truck is stopping now there are a lot of other pieces probably about 10 other things that have to be hooked up on that hitch system but if you don't have the ball and coupler hooked up it just doesn't work. Well, here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul shares with us what is the ball and coupler of our faith. It is that on which all of our faith, our Christian faith, rests. It's how our faith pivots. Without this coupler and ball, our faith really means very little. And Paul said it this way. He said, the Messiah died, the Messiah was buried, and the Messiah was raised from the dead. 
on these three movements rests our Christian faith. Now, all my adult life, I have been studying Scripture. I've been dealing with theology. And it just amazes me at how rich the Christian faith, our beliefs, and our understanding are. It's just such a a richness, a vastness, a diverse understanding of, of the faith. And the more I've studied, I've made these, uh, these discoveries along the way. And, and God has revealed things through that study and through that investigation that sometimes just blesses my socks off. And yet as rich as our faith is, it all rests upon this. Jesus died. Jesus was buried And Jesus was raised from the dead. It is at the heart and core of our faith. Now, no doubt, there have been millions of sermons preached about what I'm about to talk to you about this morning. And quite honestly, I can add nothing new. And I'm not going to wow you in what I have to say. But I just want to remind you of what is at the heart and core of our faith. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus was raised from the dead. Uh, During the season of Lent, uh, Pastor Jacqueline and I have been doing a sermon series on the way of the cross, and uh, we started at the beginning of Lent, which begins with Ash Wednesday and ended yesterday with Silent Saturday. And during that time, we, we, we focused on our Sunday sermons on the cross. We used a lot of passages talking about what the cross is and how the cross applied to Jesus and what he did on the cross. And also we talked to, about how that we are to bear our cross as well. And it was really an enlightening uh, message. But you know, the cross fundamentally is about this. It's about death. You see, the cross was the means that the Romans put somebody to death as a criminal. And when you think about it, having the hero of a religion die as a criminal on a cross, it's just kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Think about it. Your hero dies as a criminal on a cross. And yet, that is what our faith rests on, this death on a cross by Jesus. Paul, in writing earlier in this letter to the Corinthians, he wrote that that for the Jews, the cross was a stumbling block, and for the Gentiles, the people who were non-Jewish, that that it, it it was foolishness to them. It just hardly makes sense have a hero die a criminal's death. But there's something more to it than just death. In 1977, uh, the Star Wars movie, first movie was introduced, A New Hope. Uh, And I'm a Star Wars fan. Now, we have a Star Wars expert in the crowd, and on Tuesday when he sees me, he will tell me exactly what I get wrong about what I'm about to tell you, okay? So, Jonathan is our resident expert. Right, Brandon? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, he is, he is, he is, he is. That's an inside joke, by the way. But anyway, I've been a Star Wars fan since 1977. And of the 12 films that have been released, my favorite of all the Star Wars films is the movie Rogue One. And in Rogue One, there's this band of soldiers who go on this suicide mission to find the plans for the Death Star in order that they might exploit what is the weakness in the Death Star so that the rebels can destroy that weapon that destroys planets, okay? And so they go on this mission, and it seems that it will be certain death for them. And so at the, near the end of that movie, one of the final scenes shows its two main heroes, Jen Erso and Cassian Andor, on a beach after they have completed their mission and been successful in getting the plans for the Death Star and getting it to the rebel forces. But the Death Star has already fired on the planet where they are, and the planet's beginning to disintegrate and death is near. But they died for the mission. Jesus' death was not just dying. Jesus' death wasn't just because somebody was mad at him, the Roman government and the Jewish uh, assembly. But Jesus' death was a mission. Here in these words we read from Paul, which, by the way, was probably the earliest Christian creed that was used in worship by Christian believers. In this creed, it says that Jesus, that the Messiah died for our sins. Say that with me. He died for our sins. That was his mission. Jesus died for our sins. Now, that little preposition, the word for, is rich both in English as well as in the Greek language. It can have many different meanings. One meaning that it can have and does have in this case is that Jesus died on account of our sins. You see, Jesus, according to Scripture, lived a life just as we live, faced all the pressures we faced, encountered all the things that we encountered, and had all the temptations that we had, yet He lived a life without fault. He never succumbed to the temptations. He lived a life without sin. And therefore, He should have never bore that penalty of death for sin. In other words, He died because humanity, human beings, had sinned. But now that death, dying for sins, is more than just like a, a person who's driving through an intersection, a drunk driver runs through the intersection and kills the occupants of the other vehicle, and that person died on account of that drunk driver. But that mission is something deeper because four carries another sense of mission. It has to do with what he does about our sin. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think there's a lot of mystery around all this. I don't pretend to understand it fully. There are a lot of theories about how things happen, and they give us a lot of insight into this. But, but it's about our failure, about our sin, about our not going God's way. And it can be summed up, this, this mystery about this and his purpose was in basically two words. The penalty and power of sin. The penalty and power of sin. 
In some way, somehow, Jesus took upon himself our penalty. What we deserve to get, he got. He took on our penalty. Jesus talked about this. He, he said, the Son of Man, by the way, he oftentimes referred to himself as the Son of Man, and when you read him saying that, he's referring to himself. He said, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom. Something offered on behalf of another. Paul picked up on that as well as he was writing to his friend Timothy. And he said basically the same thing. He said that Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all. Jesus takes on the penalty of our sin so that we can be forgiven by God, never to bear the penalty of that sin again. Now, exactly how all that happens, I don't really understand it all, but I believe it's true. But Jesus' death also was for the power of sin, to break the power of sin in human beings' lives, to break the power that is present in and around us. You see, uh, nearly all of us here this morning are, are old enough to, uh, to know that, that there are dark forces at work in and around us that lead us away from God, that make us captive to our desires, enslaves us to our desires, that takes us down paths that oftentimes lead to hurt toward others and to hurt ourselves. And we, by our own willpower and strength, cannot overcome those forces. But Jesus died to free us from those forces of darkness and sin. Through Jesus, through Jesus and through Jesus alone, can we find power to overcome those forces of darkness in our lives and in our world. Jesus was on a mission and his death was to free us from the penalty and the power of sin. Now, as some of you know who have read in the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those all tell the story of Jesus, okay? And in those four Gospels, all devote a significant amount of space to the crucifixion of Jesus as well as his burial. They all tell about the burial of Jesus. And in that st the story each gospel tells, they tell us that when Jesus died on the cross, he died on that Friday afternoon, late Friday afternoon, that, that he, his body was taken by a man by the name of Joseph from Arimathea who was a member of the Jewish council. He secured Jesus' corpse. He took it to a tomb. Now, it wasn't a grave like we know where somebody's put down in the grave and then they're put, you know, dirt's put over top of their casket and such. But it was, it was like a mausoleum that was carved out into a, 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 a rock wall. And his body was placed in that. And, and Joseph, 
we're told. He did what was necessary that day to do the embalming that they would do in, in Jesus' time. And then there was a stone that sealed that tomb. Now, some of Jesus' followers, some women, uh, they decided that on the first day of the week, uh, they, the Sabbath happened after Friday, so they couldn't go because of Jewish law, so they waited till Sunday morning, and they got up real early in the morning, and they went to the tomb. By the way, I want you all to know, there was a miracle that took place on this campus this morning. Okay, we had a sunrise service at 7 a.m. Now, my sister Jacqueline, she thinks that the day starts about 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Amen? Amen? Amen. And she preached, and she was on at 7 a.m. I mean, it was an absolute miracle. I mean, she preached a good sermon. But in that sermon, she talked about these women who went to the tomb. And how they had prepared all these spices and got everything together to ensure that Jesus would have the proper burial. Now, what this is telling us is that Jesus was dead. And in this ancient creed found here in Corinthians, in this ball and cup of the faith, this core of the faith, is this that Jesus was buried. But why include that? Why include that? Why include that he was buried? Why talk about how he was buried and what happened and what took place? We well, see for us, it tells us that Jesus actually died. He didn't just appear to die on the cross, but his physical body stopped functioning on that cross he breathed his last breath, his heart stopped beating, his brain stopped functioning, his body was dead. Dead! He was dead. He was dead. And that burial becomes significant, which tells us that God who became human, lived among people facing all the pressures, threats, fears, anxieties, temptations of human beings, that God became human, died a human death. Now today, we have gathered here and celebrating the most glorious day in the Christian year. We call it Easter, the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, the third movement in what we've been talking about. Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead, never to die again. Not just resuscitated, you know, coming back to life and then having to die again, but Jesus came back to life to never die again. And I wonder, could God have done things differently could God have done things differently? Now, I imagine from an ancient perspective, the ancient Greek-Roman perspective, there were many who thought this resurrection stuff really doesn't make a, a lot of sense. This human body of Jesus coming back to life again really doesn't make a lot of sense. You see, for them, they tended to view the human body in this way. Either they viewed the human body as it was just kind of this... Uh, 
necessary container for the all-important human soul, the immortal soul, or they regarded the human body as kind of a, a, a dualism between spirit and body, and the spirit was good and the body was bad. And so for them, for the body to come back to life, didn't really make any sense. Because the body really didn't count or it was bad anyway. Let's just get rid of the body. And so God could have done something like have this great hologram in the sky that everybody on, on planet earth could see this Jesus and he could speak in everybody's language and he would say, all right, you're forgiven. I've died for your sins. But God didn't choose to do that. God chose to raise Jesus from the dead. From the dead. Peter wrote, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. A truly redemptive death, and he was then raised. Recently, I read an article in Christianity Today about the rising number of people who no longer participate in church and kind of have, are holding church at arm's length. And uh, they title these three groups of people the nuns, the duns, and the ums. I, I like those, that language, and uh, it, it, it helps me to understand a lot about what's going on in our culture to read articles like this. But, but in that article... The author talks about that for many people, particularly those folks who are more scientifically minded, have a real struggle in believing that God becomes human in Jesus Christ and that Jesus the human is raised from the dead. And you know, quite frankly, I understand that. Uh, that's not a part of our normal human experience experience. It's not a part of uh, what we can put in a, in a test tube and test. Uh, you, you know, I mean, this is kind of beyond uh, our common human experience. You know, when people die, people stay dead. Uh, you know, in my pastoral ministry, I've probably conducted more than 400 funerals and, and uh, you know, from, from young, small children to people nearing the century mark and all in between, uh, you know, I've been a part of, quote, laying people to rest and they're still in their grave. And so to talk about Jesus being literally raised from the dead is hard to believe. And yet, if true, it is the most profound God's statement ever to be made. Jesus, risen from the dead. It's God's statement that what is done in Jesus Christ is true. Today, our faith rests upon this profession Maybe as hard as it is to believe, but it rests upon this. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus was buried, and Jesus was raised from the dead. I want to ask you to stand now, and I want you to join. 
as we say this ancient creed together. And I hope that not only will you say the words, but you will allow those words to penetrate deep into who you are and allow God's Spirit to continue to speak to you to give you the meaning of these great words. Let this be our affirmation. Will you repeat it with me? I believe Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures and that He was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Stay standing and let's...